So our theme is behold. In Matthew 1.23, behold, a virgin shall be with child. Don't miss this. Man, don't, don't go through the Christmas season and, and miss out on what God wants us to see because there's so much here. Behold, a virgin's going to have a child. Behold, God's going to be with man. Behold, Emmanuel, God's going to be with us. Behold, fix your eyes on this. Behold, God's going to show you something special. Behold, this is what Christmas is all about. Satan would love for us to go through this holiday season and make it about everything else. But 700 years before Jesus was born, God foretold who Jesus was going to be. And he said this. This was like 700 years. And he says, I'm going to tell you who's coming. I'm going to tell you who's coming. And this was the description. For unto us a child is born. And unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called. Listen to this. This is his name. So he said, I thought it was Jesus. See, Jesus and the coming of Jesus and the delivery and everything that's going to happen in Matthew and Luke is going to be a description of this. He's going to be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Now, when Jesus was born, they didn't go to the manger and go, wonderful counselor, the mighty God. They just knew him as Jesus. But everything that he did and the way that he came was to be wonderful. We were going to see that he was the Prince of Peace. It's a description of all these things as we see this story. But I want to focus on the one. He came to be wonderful. Now, that word wonderful means a sense of awe. Literally, when Jesus comes, he's going to do it in such a way that's going to take us by surprise. Have you ever seen something? that The other day I posted on Facebook a picture. I walked out of the church. I saw the sky. I just stood there, man. I, I don't have the picture of the show with you guys. You can see it on my Facebook page. But man, the sky was just lit up with these colors. And I just stood there. I was like, wow. Man could not do that. There's not a paintbrush there's not, a, there's not a digital effect. There's nothing that man could ever do to be able to describe the greatness of God. So God does some things deliberately for us to stand there and go, wow, wow. There's no way I could do that. Only God. Only God could do that. Only God could perform that. See, wonderful means a miracle. It means something marvelous. It means something that God does that makes us be filled with wonder. Just to stand back and go, I I don't see how that could have happened. Or that doesn't make sense to me. Or wow, I could never pull pull that off myself. To to be in a sense of wonder. And and this story really is about that. It is is the story of, of God going through and doing this in such a way for us to just stand back in all of what God did. Now, now, remember how the story starts. If we were to talk about the story of uh, Christmas, what do what we naturally talk about? We're going to go like, oh, yeah, that's, let me tell you the story. There was, a, there was a, a, a lady named Mary. She was a young lady, and she was alone, and the angel came and talked to her, and behold, you're going to have a child. And you guys know what I'm talking about? That's how we start the story. But if you go to Luke chapter 1, that's not how the story starts. And I think sometimes we leave out part of the story because we're like, oh, that doesn't really have a big effect, uh, a part of it. But it was the introduction. If you're going to introduce something big, every aspect of the introduction is going to play a part in it. If I was going to introduce somebody today and say, Pastor Chris is going to come preach and he's our missions director and he's our missions pastor and he does our discipleship and he does all this, I'm describing who's about to be presented. You realize Luke chapter 1 is just building up the introduction. Let me tell you who's coming. But he does it as a visual. 
He does it in such a way that is demonstrating what is so wonderful about God's coming. But it doesn't happen in the way that you think. Not Mary, not Joseph, not wise men, not shepherds, but Zachariah and Elizabeth. You know what's crazy about that? They never make it to a nativity scene. They're never on a Christmas card. They're never in a Christmas carol. And yet the story starts with them. Can we just wonder why? Can we see the wonder of what God's doing through this as we get into this? So Luke chapter 1 verse 5. We're going to do a lot of reading because a lot of times we skip this. And I want you to get the whole part of this. There was in the days of Herod, king of Judah, a certain priest named Zechariah of the course of Abiah. And his wife was the, uh, of the daughters of Aaron, and her uh, name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in the, all the commandments and the ordinances of the Lord, blameless. And they, and they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both well-stricken in years. Two things that the Bible points out, before we even get to hear what happened, it points out, number one, that she is barren. Literally, I mean, through her physical history of her, her medical history, she had something wrong with her body that never allowed her to have a baby. Now, during that day, having a baby was a big deal. Having a baby today is a big deal. But that had to do with your priesthood and uh, following the line. And they were all from the, the, the tribe of Levi, of, of the priests. And it was a big deal to have a baby. It was a big deal to have a boy that would step in your steps and do these things. She was barren. She physically could not have a baby. But even she got to the age that even if she could have a baby, her, her, she was well-stricken in age. It doesn't say she was old. It says she was well-stricken in age, far past the day and age at which she could have a child. And it came to pass, while he executed the priest's office before God in the, in the order of this course, according to the customs of the priest's office, his lot was to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. Now, sometimes we have the mindset that Zachariah got up every day and was like, bye, Elizabeth, going to work. And he'd go to the temple and he'd walk in there and he'd burn the incense and, you know, clock in, clock, you know, like that was his job. There was one temple, there was 20,000 priests. Everybody that was of the tribe of Levi that was born a male, that, that the, the way that God ordained it and laid it out, they were to be the priests. So there was a lot of jobs and things that they would do, but going into the temple and burning incense, when, when he said it, and it was chosen of his lot, or however it words it in that passage, literally means that his time came up. I, I, out of an entire lifetime, a lot of them never got to do it, and, and if you did, you might do it once in your entire lifetime. This was a big deal. Now, they did a lot of other things, and they had other responsibilities, but going in and burning the incense, and burning the incense was symbolic of the prayers going up to heaven. God does a lot of visual things in the Bible for us to be able to see or behold or be able to get a, a visual of these things. So it was a big deal that he was here. Verse 10, and the whole multitude of the people were praying without that time of, uh, uh, time of incense. So while the incense was going in, they were on the outside. They were just lifting up their voices before God. What were they praying for? Praying for the coming Messiah, praying for the forgiveness of their sins, praying in worship to God. And there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing at the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled, and fear fell on him. You say, why was that? When he was a man of God and he knew that God worked in those ways. 400 years of silence up until this point. From Malachi to the New Testament, there was 400 years of silence. So it wasn't like angels were popping up all the time talking to them. So this was a big deal, like the only time this has happened in their lifetime. But the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for the prayer is heard, and thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, 
and thou shalt call his name John. And he begins to say, this is how big of a deal this is going to be. And thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth. For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, and he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost, even from his mother's womb. And many of the children of Israel shall be turned, uh, shall he turn to the Lord their God, and he shall go before them in the spirit of power of Elias, to turn the hearts of the fathers to, children, to the children, and disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Now this is amazing. He's literally like, your son, Jesus is going to be born, but your son is going to be the one that comes out and like, hey, everybody, he's coming. You know, he's the one that came out and preached, behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. He's the one that was baptizing, John the baptizer. You know, he was the one that's doing all this. So he's literally setting the stage by starting with uh, Elizabeth and Zechariah to be able to point to the coming of Jesus. By the way, that's our job as well. It's one thing to say, oh, how cute and amazing that Jesus came to be born in a manger. He said, well, don't forget your job. It's not just singing the songs. It's pointing to the Savior. It's announcing. It is it's through our Christmas cards and inviting them to church and, and how we do everything during Christmas to make it about Jesus. It should be all about Jesus. I'm going to say something because I love you. Santa Claus should not get the glory and rob the glory from Jesus Christ. He's a fictional character. Should be fun, but not fact. Jesus is the one that came to die for us and redeem us from all mankind, from all the sins of mankind. Santa Claus is a fictional character that, that, that needs to go on a diet. Okay, there's a difference. <laughs> And we start, we, we will make Christmas so much that where our kids wake up and run out of the room saying the words, Santa, 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 when it should be about Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I'm just saying Satan will do anything to rob the glory from the one that deserves all the glory and honor and the praise. Santa Claus is a fictional character, so make it fun, but don't make it fact. Okay, you guys hear me out when I say that. And, and I just say this because I want my kids to know that it's all about God. And man, we have gifts. And I love to brag and say, you know who provided the money and the means for us to have those gifts? Our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Not a character that doesn't exist. That's message number one. Let's keep going. Zacharias speaks up. Whoa. <laughs> okay. So my wife's going to have a baby. You know, can you imagine as he's like staying there going, this is all in shock and all, and I'm talking to an angel, and this is crazy. Uh, but this dude doesn't know how old my wife is. You know, he just, he doesn't, obviously he doesn't know how old I am. I mean, in your mind, you're trying to put all the pieces together because that's what we do as humans. It's got to make sense to me. So for, 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 for Zachariah, it didn't make sense to him. So can you imagine talking back to an angel, like trying to tell him and straighten him out? And Zachariah said unto the angel, uh, Mr. Gabriel, uh, whereby shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is well stricken in years. I don't know why he worded it that way. He's like, I'm old. She's really old. I, I just like well stricken in age. Anyways, that's between them. Um, but he's like, this is a great plan and all. 
But I'm just going to be honest. It just doesn't, it's not going to work like you think it is, dude. Because it's just, it's, that's too complicated. You don't argue with an angel. And behold, thou shalt be dumb. Oh, and the angel answered and said, I am Gabriel. And stand in the presence of God. What I did, what I'm, what I'm telling you, did not come from me. You're arguing with the instructions of the Almighty God. And I am sent to speak unto thee and to show thee these things, these glad tidings. And behold, thou shalt be dumb and not be able to speak until the day that these things shall be performed, because thou believest not my words, which shall be fulfilled in their season. And the people waited for Zacharias and marveled that he tarried so long in the temple. And when he came out, he could not speak unto them and perceive that he had seen a vision in the temple, for he beckoned unto them and he remained speechless. And it came to pass that as soon as the days where administration were accomplished, then he departed into his own house. And after those days, his wife Elizabeth conceived and hid herself five months, saying, Thus hath the Lord dealt with me in the days wherein he looked on me to take away the reproach among men. Now, there's a lot going on in this passage. But it's in, and this is the beginning of the Christmas story. And the reason why I'm bringing this out now is because I want to behold the wonder of what God's doing in this story. So here's, here's the thing, and, and I'm, just, I'm just pointing this out here. Number one, he, we, we, God points out to this that he has no limits. The whole mission of God was to bring hope to mankind because man was hopeless. And in our minds, we would, we would do whatever we could, well, in the instructions of God, of killing an animal, putting it on there, and temporarily taking away sins, or covering our sins, or being obedient to God. But only Jesus Christ could be the Lamb of God that would take away the sins of the world. Yeah. Only Jesus. Jesus had to come and do what man could not do for themselves. So the whole mission of what God was going to come, come and do was what man could not do for themselves. He had to do something that was going to be miraculous and something that would not make sense. So he said, and he's described in Isaiah 9, 6, that he would be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God. So when Jesus steps on the scene, he's doing it in such a way to point to he is the Almighty God. Here, let me explain this. When I talk about he has no limits, he is not limited by our circumstances. Do you think it's random that he went to somebody and said, you're going to have a baby? And, and my wife is well stricken in age and I'm old. <clears throat> Let's just be honest. Could God not have done that when they were 20? Yeah. I mean, think about it. It's like, like, this would have been great 60 years ago. But why now? <clears throat> it's amazing how God will step into complicated situations to prove to us that they're not complicated to him. Because everything that God was about to do would make man stand back and say, well, there's no way that can happen. That doesn't make sense. That doesn't add up. But we do this in our lives all the time. So to just behold the wonder that he's not limited by our circumstances because we often limit God by our circumstances. And this is how we do it. It's got to make sense to us. He's standing there. I'm an old man. She's an old woman. They don't have babies. Okay, you're wrong. But we do that with God all the time. I've been witnessing, or maybe you're, I've been witnessing to my family. And my, my husband won't come to church. He says he'll never come to church. I don't see in my mind how this will ever work. So almost we limit God to be like, I'm not even going to pray about that anymore. I don't know how it would work. Maybe that's with your finances or a job position. I've added it up. I looked at it from every angle. I've talked to so-and-so. I've looked at this. I know my credentials. <clears throat> it just can't work. We limit God all the time. Just, 
you tell your wife, I, I, don't, I, don't, I, I don't know if this will work. And, and it frustrates God because God is the one that's not limited by anything. He, who came to save us? He says, remind you that he is the almighty God. Hey, so he literally sets up situations that are complicated and, and have limits for him to say, yeah, I have no limits. I'm not restricted by that. I'm not held bad by that whatsoever. So the whole introduction was to do that. So look at, look at verse 13 again. The angel said, fear not, Zacharias, thy prayer is heard, and thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son. And Zacharias in verse 18 said unto where am I going to do this? For I'm an old man, and my wife is well stricken in years. You're saying this just can't happen, but do you understand that every situation that he gave us in this passage was things that don't normally happen? What is the one that we know more than, than this? The, the other birth that's about to happen. Do you understand that he also did something complicated with that? Look at, it's verse 19, and the angel answered and said, I am Gabriel, I send me for the presence of God. Zechariah, it's not you, it's God. That, that's what God does for all these situations. It's not a matter of, I can't do this. It's what God wants to do through us that he's trying to prove this to us. Go forward 14, 15 verses. Let, let me show you this. And you say, oh, now one that I'm familiar with. Let me show you this. Verse 34, then said Mary to the angel, how should this be, seeing I know not a man? Again, another situation going, wait a minute. God wants to bring forth a child, but I don't know a man, and that's not how it works. God is constantly doing things in such a way that does not work in man's way of doing things. Constantly. You know why? Because when you get to something that you can't do and it has to be God, then you stand in all the wonder and point to the Almighty God saying, that was all God and that was not me. And God gives us setups for it all the time. He, he literally will set it up to do these kind of things. And the angel answered and said unto her, the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee. It's not you, Mary, it's God. We know that you can't do it. We know you're incapable to do this. And the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore, that also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. It's not about you. It's all about God. Now, God ties these two situations together. When God was talking to Mary, he then pulls in the situation and the story with Elizabeth. This wasn't like a side story that he was telling. They're both the same story. And behold, verse 36, thy cousin Elizabeth, she also hath conceived in her old age. And this is the sixth month with, with her who was called barren. Now, these are two extremes. You think about it. God works through extremes. God works through things that we write off in our minds that can't happen. Young lady, old lady. Somebody that's tried her whole life to have a baby. Somebody that's never been with a man. Somebody that's from Bethlehem or, 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 or from her native town uh, it, that, that nobody's ever heard of. And then you take somebody that, that has prestige and honor of, of the, the name of Zechariah. Do you understand? Stop limiting God. It doesn't matter your past. It doesn't matter your pedigree. It doesn't matter your ability. It doesn't matter your bank account. It doesn't matter your past, what you've done and overcome the things. God can work through anything. This is what God's proven to us. All of this was on purpose. And by the way, do you know what the very next verse is that God says when he gives both of these situations? Verse 37, a verse that we quote all the time. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. Why do we limit God? The, the whole thing from the very introduction of God, Jesus coming, he was doing it in such a way to say, stop limiting God. 
Don't put God in a box. Don't bring him down to your level. Don't tell me he can't because I'll put you in situations that you can't just to prove that he can. Now notice, natural response. This is, this is where it hits home with us. Verse 18 again, and Zechariah said unto the angel, Whereby shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife is well stricken in age. He was a man of faith, but he struggled with doubt. He was a man of faith, and he still struggled with doubt. God is not limited by our doubts. You know why this is so important? This is important because of the fact is that we're all humans. I, I think we looked at Zachariah. Anybody who looked at Zachariah was like, man, he is a man of God. Man, he's got it all put together. Man, that, that is somebody that, yes, sir, I've got this. But you know, in his reasoning, when you've never seen something before, then you don't know that it's going to work out. Now, if they've seen a bunch of virgins giving birth or they get, saw a bunch of old people and the, the only thing that they had from their history was Isaac, uh, Abraham and Sarah. But let's just be real. When you try to figure things out in your mind, it just, it causes doubt. When, it, when the facts don't add up in my mind, it just, it causes doubt. I can personally testify to this. I believe that I have faith in God. But I can honestly say that I doubt I struggle with doubts. I mean, if you're to go by the facts, when, when the more we get into our journey with Logan, the more it's just overwhelming. It's like the longer he's on chemo, the less chemo is going to work. The longer he's on chemo, the more his body's not going to be able to be on chemo. The longer you go, the more chance of spread. It's it's cancer, the degree that it's wrapped around his arteries and his heart. And just the facts, 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 facts. So what do we do with facts? We add it up in my mind, according to what man says. And in my mind, I go, you know what? This is almost impossible. But you know what the whole point of this is? Is behold. You need to redirect your attention. It's not about the facts of what you know. It's not about what your brain adds up. It's not about what man says. It's about the God that we serve that's able to do what we cannot do. And he's not limited by our, 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 our doubts. Praise God for that. Because you, you can imagine if, if he went in there and, and, and Zacharias said, there's no way. Gabriel could have been like, all right, we'll just go find somebody else. God didn't do that. Praise God he didn't do that. You know why? Because God's not afraid of your doubts. Because we're going to hit things in our life that God knows we're not going to get. You're facing things that right now God knows you're not going to get. But you know what he's waiting for us to do? It's like Mary said, be it unto me according to thy will. I don't get it and I don't see how this is going to happen, but I'm going to follow you because I want what you're promising to give me. He was a man of faith, but he struggled with doubts. But God's not limited by that. And the thing is, in verse 13, the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard, and Elizabeth shall bear a son. The reason why he was there, Zacharias was not in the temple praying for a baby. And I think that somehow we, we hear that. He already knew in his mind, she can't have a baby. We're way past that. They're moving on. What was Zachariah praying for? Zechariah was praying for the coming Messiah. He was praying for the sins of the people. He was praying for the forgiveness of sins of them and all. He was, he was doing all of those things as he was praying and they were on the outside doing that. Isn't it amazing how sometimes we'll pray for the big things, but we won't even trust God with little things? 
You know what I'm saying? Because, and I'm not saying, let, let me stop for a minute. You're saying, you're saying an old lady having a baby was a little thing? No, but I mean, in respects to redeeming all mankind from the, the debt of sin, you know, it's like, if God's going to come and be born of man and, and be wonderful counsel of the mighty God and all those, God was just saying that I, if I'm going to do the impossible, I can do it through circumstances that don't make sense. Why is God doing this? Because he's wonderful. Why does God work even when we doubt? That, that's why it's so important for us to understand. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. He's constantly reminding us for it not to be in our, our, what we're thinking because we will struggle with this. God does all these things constantly to remind us that he's wonderful and he's greater. And it says in verse 24, And after those days his wife Elizabeth conceived and hid herself five months, saying, Thus hath the Lord dealt with me in the days wherein he looked on me. God made a way when there seemed to be no way. God did the impossible. And the whole, the, the, you're saying, what are we supposed to see in this? The whole point at the beginning of this story is stop limiting God. Stop saying the things that God can't because the whole introduction of Jesus was proving to us that he can. But notice this. We behold or we see the wonder of God that he has no limits, but we also behold or, or the wonder of God and the fact that he works through us. God works through us. You can imagine the king of kings coming to earth. And at the beginning of the story, we like to highlight the fact, and the angel Gabriel came and delivered the message to Zechariah. The angel Gabriel came and talked to Mary. The angels of the Most High and filled up the sky to the shepherds and announced the birth of Jesus Christ. Joseph had a dream where God spoke to him. But do you realize that every person that he talked to was the fact that God was dealing with common everyday people? God does his wondrous things through us. Through us. The entire story is the greatness of God being displayed through the simplicity of man. Now, I've already said it. Let me reemphasize it. You say, well, God can't use me or God, uh, I can't be part of this. God used an old, old lady and God used a teenage girl. I'm just going to ask you, where do you fit in on that? You ring yourself off saying, well, God can't work through me or, or I'm limited by what I do. God used somebody that was poor and somebody that, that had money. God used somebody that was uh, of great faith and somebody that was just uh, engaged to get married and excited about life. God works through the simple things of the world. And there's two observations with this. Number one, God works through faithfulness. Thank God it's not through perfection. Because it would have been with, with Zacharias that God would have written him off from the very beginning. There, there's just no way that you're going to do this because of the fact is you doubted God. But notice verse 6. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and the ordinance of the Lord blameless. Now this was not random. God chose them because they were seeking after him. You want to know what God's looking for in our generation? It's just faithfulness. God's looking for those, it just, it, it talks about righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and the ordinance. They were just living out what God said. And even when things didn't make sense, we want a baby, not having a baby. We want a baby, not having a baby. They were just living it out. If we want to see God do miraculous things. If we want to see God do wonders in our generation. Don't write yourself off because you're young, and old, young or old. That doesn't matter. Don't write yourself off because of the fact is you're a high priest or you're, you're a nobody. That doesn't matter. But what God's looking for is faithfulness. Think about with Mary. When the angel went to Mary, think about what he said. 
thou hast found favor with God. And he, he said he has noticed the, the low degree of his servant. What was he saying through that? God was pointing out that the fact that what God wanted to use was the humility of man. God works through our faithfulness to do great things. But God works through our fellowship. And you say, that's a weird one. God is doing something great. But during this time, it didn't always feel great. Have you ever known that God's working, but you're thinking this isn't comfortable? Now, now just imagine these two situations. One, you've got Elizabeth. And you think about what Elizabeth was going through. And after those days, his wife conceived and hid herself five months. Now, if you're an old woman and you're, 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 you're starting the show, I, I, I don't know what would be going through your mind, but you're thinking, you know, with, with, with Zacharias, not that he was able to have any input with that, but you can imagine how she hid herself like, I, 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 I don't know what to tell people. This isn't going to make sense to people. I, I've got backaches I've never had before. I've got cravings I've never had before. She was an older woman, but she's never gone through having a baby before. All of this was all news, so she's overwhelming. But how do you go explain to somebody this miracle, this act of God? Take the other situation. You've got Mary. She was a virgin in a society in a time of being pregnant where that was not accepted at all. Shouldn't be accepted today, but I'm, you guys know what I'm saying. And during that time of her going through that, her own fiancé had questioned because he didn't, it didn't make sense to him. So what do you do when you're trying to explain to your parents that you're a teenager, you're engaged to be married, and you're pregnant? And you go to mom and dad and just say, it's a God thing. It's like, okay, stop lying. You know, what do you do with that? So both of them are going through situations that nobody in the world would understand. But here's the cool thing. This is the interesting part. A big part of the story is God working through people through fellowship. You say, you're just making that up. Let me show you. After the angel told Mary that they were going to have the baby, this is what he says, and behold, verse 36, thy cousin Elizabeth had also conceived in her old age and is the sixth month with her who's called barren. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. And then he ties it into the other story. And Mary said, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. And Mary arose in those days and went to the hill country with haste to a city of Judea and entered into the house of Zacharias and saluted Elizabeth. Now watch the emotions of what happens with this. You've got a girl over here that is going through a really hard time that nobody understands. You've got an older woman over here that's going through a really hard time that nobody understands. And God brings them together. And watch what happens. And it came to pass, Elizabeth heard the salutations of Mary, and the babe leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. And she spake with a loud voice. Can you imagine the emotions of what are happening in this minute? When you all of a sudden, the baby leaps in your womb, and you're like, oh my goodness, God is working. Nobody understood. I couldn't talk to anybody about this. Nobody, nobody I, I've hid myself for five months. And, and by the way, they didn't have Facebook or Twitter or whatever. They didn't have cell phones. It's, it's not like uh, Elizabeth knew anything about Mary. She had no idea about this. And she spake with a loud voice and said, Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb. And whence is this to me? And the mother of my Lord should come to me. For lo, as soon as the voice of thy salutation sounded in mine ears, the babe leaped in my womb. And blessed, and blessed is she that believed, for there shall be a performance of those things which were told of the Lord. Now the reason why this is such a big deal is God was doing two things. God was not only encouraging them through each other, God was confirming what he was doing in each other. 
Now, th- this is cool. I, I, I don't understand women. I, I don't under- when they get around each other, they get excited about something, you know, how, how they start fanning their faces and their voices get really squeaky and they go, ah, you know, and, and they, they start talking funny and then they talk and they cry and they step back. And you can imagine as they're talking about each other's bellies and, you know, stretch marks and all that other stuff that they're doing. All this is happening going on because of the fact is that two people that were literally part of miracles, things that never happened. That, that, I mean, if you told anybody in the world, they would never understand and God, in his ordained plan to, to literally bring John the Baptist into the world and Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, works through two giddy women that come together, saying with a loud voice, man, God's doing something right now in my life. You say, what is the wonder of this story? Elizabeth needed Mary and Mary needed Elizabeth. In the middle of all this, in the craziness of one of the most bizarre, amazing stories in all the Bible. And God says, behold, don't see, don't overlook how I work. I work through the simple things. I work through simple people. I, I, I work when you think that there is no way, when it doesn't add up, when you've written off God, when you're scared to death when you feel alone, when you feel overwhelmed, when you have heartburn, when you're craving ice cream and pickles, all the things that they were going through. And it's like, nobody gets me. And God was like, let me bring you together and show you the wonder of the fellowship of what God does. I told you guys this story once already, um, but there's more to the story. So I'm gonna tell it again. Um, last year at the beginning of our journey, um, we were going through a time of we had multiple insurances for Logan. And uh, we, we were getting out of one and getting into another and a lot of things happening. If you've ever dealt with medical problems, you know what I'm talking about with this. So I didn't know what to do. And Jenny gave me the bill. And she said, uh, you need to go and call about this. Now, how many of you remember me telling this story? I, I told a while back. A lot of you do. Okay. So I, I'm, I'm glad because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to retell the story, but then I'm going to finish the story. Um, so I, I get to the church and I'm preaching and writing out a message about faith. And, and to be real and honest with you, some of these messages are harder to preach than they used to be. It's just, I know it. Sometimes when it doesn't make sense to me, it's just hard. It's hard. It's hard to walk into a room tomorrow and to sit down not knowing if they're going to walk and being, well, we've got good news or, oh, we're so sorry. It's, it's just, it's really hard. I don't even know any other way to put it. So I'm sitting in my office and I'm typing out this message about faith and I'm on hold. And then the phone picks up and the lady goes, um, hey, uh, hey, it's Children's Hospital or whatever. I can't remember exactly what she said. And, uh, and I was like, hey, I've got this bill. I don't know what to do with it. I don't know how to process it. Honestly, I'm not in the right frame of mind to deal with it. And she said, well, let me help you with this. And she said, um, she flipped the bill over and make these private notes, these personal notes and things like that. So I'm just following, trusting her or whatever. And she gets done. And I did that. And she said, now fax it to this number and then I'll help you take care of this. I said, well, thank you so much. Then she paused and she said, Tony, how is Logan doing? And I was like, 
that's a weird thing to ask from a collection or a build place or whatever. And I'm like, I said, well, I appreciate you asking. You know, I said, he's doing okay right now. And I gave her an update on the treatments and everything going on. And then in that moment, she began to cry. And I am like, this is not a typical encounter that I've had with somebody on the phone or whatever. And she paused and she said, I'm so sorry. She said, but can I tell you who I am? She said, you don't know who I am. She said, I have followed your story from the beginning. She said, this morning I got up and was praying over Logan. She said, I would have had no idea that I would go to work and his dad would call my phone and talk to me in the middle of my day from the very kid that could be anywhere in this world of a number on the back of a bill and God connected us together. She's crying. I'm crying. You say, why? Because I needed that. And God does this unique thing of bringing random, no way in the world you could have made those connections to where you stand back and you stand in wonder you, because you know that only could be God. Only could be God. For us to stand back in the wonder of God, that God, I don't deserve this. It was a phone call. It was random. It, it was just something that I had on a to-do list. And God shows up in those weird circumstances. Say, don't limit me. Don't think for a second that I can't handle this. Don't think for a second that I'm not working. A couple months goes by, and in the meantime, she gave, I had her email. And every time I had any question, whether, whether it was dealing with Children's Hospital or not, I would message her and say, I don't know what to do. And she would help me and give me insights and stuff. And God gave her uh, as part of the, my journey to do this. So I finished preaching one Sunday. I go back to Connecting Point. There's this husband and wife saying, hi, Tony. I didn't know who they were. She walks up and gives me a hug. And she says, Tony, I'm Melissa. I'm the one that's been on the phone with you and helping you all this time. Melissa, will you come up here for a second? I, uh, we, we, we've talked a lot, don't we? we? We talk about our journey and everything that we've been on. And it was cool because even yesterday when we were talking, it was like how we needed each other. And randomly, God connected us to help each other through those things. Can I explain something to you? Oh, I can get you a mic. Yes, ma'am. Richard, can you, I just grabbed one. I don't even know what I grabbed. Okay. The part of this story, though, that Pastor Tony hasn't shared, and you have to forgive me, had a little bit of a cold, is that my husband and I had been looking at fellowship for so long. And through COVID and everything that transpired there, we all got disconnected, and we had looked at the church a long, long, long time before, and God sent us in another direction. And so we went, we served, COVID hit. And then I began to pray because I hadn't gotten back into fellowship. And I kept writing in my journal over and over, which church, God, which church? Where do you want me to serve? Which church? And then this happened. And he'd been saying along, there's your church. 
and um, there's a um, when, after we talked yesterday I kept thinking of a song and I'm a PK okay so uh, but I kept thinking of a song that we sang um, through churches growing up um, I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God amen and um, I haven't felt more a part of the family than I have felt here and I praise God for that. Amen. And I just look forward to so much opportunity and so much joy in continuing to grow and be a part of this family. So I'm so grateful, so grateful, Amen. and so grateful for you. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you so much. Even when you can't see it, he's working. He never stops never stops working and the thing is it it could just be normal circumstances but God's bigger than that if it was normal there would not be wonder and if there's no wonder it can't be God because God's ways are not our ways he is the most high God that's what he told Mary when he said I'm the most high which literally means I'm above your ways I'm above your doubts I'm above your methods I'm above your circumstances And yet he comes down to work through people and work through fellowship and work through his church. You say, is God working right now? Wait till we dismiss and you find somebody in the hallway and God connects you out of nowhere just to show that I'm working and I'm always working and God works through us. So here's how the story ends. Zachariah is in the temple, sacrificing the animals, doing the prayers, for something that had to be repeated, repeated, repeated. God comes to him and says that I'm going to do a great thing. Behold, I'm going to make things new. I'm going to, I'm going to turn things around. John grows up. He, he, he explains it. And all this time that God's working behind it wasn't even for what they knew right then. It was what God's going to do in the future. And you guys know this story. John's baptizing. While he's baptizing, he says, behold, the lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world draws attention right back to it. This is why he came. He came to set us free. The lamb of God would not just be a lamb in the tabernacle. It would be the final sacrifice to set us free from from sin. 